This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. Hope you're having a great summer. Today on the podcast, my guest is Sabrina De La Cruz. Sabrina is a 2020 Olympic Trials marathoner. She qualified for the Olympic Trials along with her sister, her twin sister, which is a really cool story that we get to hear about in this podcast episode. We also get to hear about their background with running and how ultimately they went on a little bit of a different path so that they could discover their own way outside of one another. It's always interesting to hear about that twin dynamic. I really enjoyed learning about their relationship and how they grew in the sport both together and separately. Sabrina is one of the founding members of Angel City Elite. You may remember if you've been listening to this podcast for a bit, episode 368, Grace Gonzalez was on the show. She's one of the other founding members of Angel City Elite. Angel City Elite is a group based out of the LA area and its mission was set in motion after the 2020 Olympic marathon trials after an amazing group of women, Sabrina included, felt little resemblance of self within the running community. And this group wanted to create a shift of awareness and inclusion. Their mission is to represent, achieve, and empower. Such a stellar group of ladies. The group is supported by Brooks. Sabrina is also a new mom. So in this episode, we get to hear about that and what her postpartum running has been like how she is supported by her husband and her family and what her goals are. I really loved getting to know Sabrina and I really hope you do too. This episode of the podcast is supported by Lily Trotters. Friends, I've been talking about Lily Trotters for so many years now. They are just the best compression sock out there, strong enough for a marathon, comfortable enough to wear for hours and stylish enough to wear almost anywhere. They slip into any of your favorite shoes. They have so many cute styles. I love their crew socks, but they have socks that go all the way up, compression socks. They have styles for men and women. And did you know that wearing compression socks will speed up muscle recovery? Scientific studies indicate that wearing compression socks stimulates blood flow, preventing or shortening the length of delayed onset muscle soreness. I just feel so good when I wear my compression socks, and I know you will too. Go to lilytrotters.com, L-I-L-Y trotters.com. Use the code I-H-A, and that will get you 15% off your order with Lily Trotters. Go support this amazing woman-owned business who has been supporting this podcast for six years now. lilytrotters.com, use the code I-H-A at checkout for 15% off your order. All right, friends, if you do enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And today I want to announce our winner from July. We do a drawing every month to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. Mare K Mom, the best running podcast. I love how Lindsay interviews. She discusses everything from how to balance 12-hour shifts and being a professional runner to favorite books. Although I run alone, I'm getting a social hour, but about running on my run. I love it. Okay, Mare K Mom, you are the winner of the pair of Gooder Shades from our July drawing. 
Make sure you email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com to claim your Gooder sunglasses and I will get a pair of your choice sent to you out ASAP. All right, friends, leave a rating and review and you will be entered for our August drawing. Thanks for listening and enjoy my conversation with Sabrina Lopez. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to have Sabrina De La Cruz on the show. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Uh, thank you for having me on. Again, like I'm a huge fan of yours, so I'm excited to be here today. Well, thank to talk you. To you. I'm so You're excited welcome. to talk to you too. You know, I talked to one of your other uh, Angel City Elite members, Grace, uh, a few months ago, and so I'm excited to kind of learn more about the team and how you play a role and all that, and also hear about your motherhood journey, which is a new mm -hmm. thing for you. So, so much to talk about today. Yes. Yeah. And I also listened to the one with Grace. It was a phenomenal podcast. So I really enjoyed listening to that. She's awesome. And I loved connecting with her about music at the end. And then I was like <laughs> on this red hot chili peppers kick for like the next like couple months because she <laughs> re-inspired my love for them. <laughs> that's funny um okay so sabrina had a baby nine months ago but before that qualified for the olympic trials ran in the olympic trials in 2020 and then was part of this group that started angel city elite to help provide more representation in the sport of running and really get out there and advocate so let's go back a little bit though when did you decide you wanted to qualify for the trials um, I decided I wanted to qualify was when I was in high school. Um, I've always had this vision and dream that I was going to qualify. And I think one of the biggest influence that I had was my grandpa. Mm. Um, my grandpa, he was the weightlifting champion at Guadalajara, Mexico. So he always uh, represented someone that was like really strong, someone who I really just influenced me to work out. Um, but unfortunately he passed away when I was in high school, when, I'm sorry, when I was in college, I think that really ignited a fire in me to really want to go after it and, um, qualify to the trials. You know, that's interesting that you were thinking forward to the trials, even in high school, because yeah. I don't remember in high school, people even necessarily talking about like marathon trials or track trials. It was more like going to get to college, run in college, then, you know, a lot of people, even pros I talked to, weren't even necessarily thinking about like running pro after that. So you were forward thinking, it seems. Yes, but I never, actually, I never envisioned myself running marathons. It was always like maybe 10K, 5K on a track. But I was, ne I guess like after college, I'm like, okay, I'm not that fast on a track. Maybe I should move uh, forward to maybe distance running. So that's when I uh, started doing, doing marathon. But I think in high school, I was more envisioning more like track or mm, okay. cross country. Well, not really cross country. There's nothing much in that, but more track. I always think that's interesting that there's no cross country at the Olympics. I feel like I that wish. would be epic. I've always been better in cross country, though. Yeah, but I agree. It would be epic if it was, a, you know, cross country trials. What did you love about cross country? I loved the hills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I loved how like you're pretty much uh, pushing yourself. You're not really like worried about pace. And I think track, it's like you have to hit a certain pace. I mean, I guess with me, I'm always um, focused like every lap, you know, running a certain pace around. And with cross country, I primarily focused on 
um, you know, beating the person in front of me. Um, but that was my mentality. I'm sure everybody's different when they're, you know, racing track or cross country. And tell me a little bit more about your relationship with your grandpa. Um, I remember being really close to him and start like middle school and high school. I just remembered him, you know, picking me up from school and taking me out to buy a hamburger. He would always buy me hamburgers after school. I just remember him always conversating with me and really excited about um, my training. He always asked me questions about my training. I felt like he was a big support of mine. I remembered that he would always tell me to eat honey before my runs, which I think I could have probably created something back then. I think he told, I don't even think it was a honey stinger back then. I was in middle school or college or high school. Um, but yeah, he always told me to eat correctly. Um, he always told me to also try to like do strength training. Um, he always taught, he told me to, when I run and compete, to run with my heart. Mm. Um, so he was just really uh, he was a person that I uh, really appreciated in my life uh, just because he would always uh, give me the best feedback. I always wonder, like, what are the things that stick with kids? You know, like when you're encouraging them in sports, like I always try to make sure I tell my kids to have fun and work hard. Like those are those are the only two pieces of advice I, I usually like stick to. But I always just wonder, like, what are those things that people say to us that we remember forever. And, you know, like when I was in high school, I think the thing I remember the most, which is not even groundbreaking or anything crazy, is one of the cross-country to- coaches just told me to, like, be consistent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't just, like, not go run for six days. Like, your best bet is to, like, be consistent instead of going and running this big distance one day and then not for a long time. So, like, I think, like, that has stuck with me as, like, a lifelong thing like I'm just consistently going to in this part of my life like I'm consistently going to move my body like things like that and so I always just think like what am I saying to my kids random kids that are sticking like glue you know mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're listening to everything that you do they are probably also like uh following your actions so mm. I feel like my family represented like always supporting me because I started playing sports when I was around five so my mom and my dad were always present. We're always uh, just there for because I also have a twin sister. So we did we played sports together. So always just uh, went to all my races, always went to all my uh, competitions, um, just really wanted me to be better than them. That's what my mom always advocated. She's always stated to me, I want you to be better than me, mm. which was amazing. Um, so. That's what what I, now that I have a son, I want him to be better than me too, so. Yeah, you think about that in terms of athletics, but just like as a human being in general, right? Exactly, yes. Um, You mentioned your sister, Regina. Yes. Okay, and you, so you grew up playing basketball and volleyball, and then you transitioned to running? Yes, in high school. What was the turning point? Like, why did you fall in love with running? Um, I found so with me, my, uh, my personal, my sister has a different story, but with me, I felt like I was never like great in the other sports, mm-hmm. like basketball, volleyball, it was soccer, baseball. And I was always a bench warmer mm-hmm. and I'm like, so it's like more of a team aspect. And I, when I went to high school, my, uh, one of my teachers told me that I need to focus on one sport so I could get better at it. So I started running. I started running 
And I just remembered, I'm like, okay, like, this is more of an individual sport, I have to put in the work, which I did, and I became very successful. And I wasn't a bench warmer when I was running. So that's why I chose running at that time. (laughs) I love it. Um, So your sister and you go to Oregon State, and um, you battled with like some comparison issues and eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so like, I want to get in your brain about that a little bit, because I think that, you know, the majority of people listening probably don't have a twin sister, but we've definitely been in places where we compare ourselves to other people and think like, oh, she's smaller or, you know, all the different things like that could possibly go through your head, especially as a young, young athlete. Um, So I'm just curious, like about that time in your life and how you kind of like saw it for what it was and addressed it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first thing I want to point out, is like, I love having a twin sister. Mm-hmm. I love being a twin. I feel very fortunate. But there, unfortunately, there is comparisons in being a twin. Um, I just remembered, um, I do remember just growing up and then college and etc. just always being compared. And imagine just being compared in front of you where a person's like, okay, you're faster, you're slower, Mm. you're bigger, you're smaller, you're prettier, you're not. So all these comparisons, which really affected us, I think. And um, I think with me, it affected me uh, with my self-esteem issues, my confidence issues, and with my sister, the same thing. Um, So when we went to Oregon State and then coming back to California, we both agreed that we should go to separate schools so she could find her her own identity and I could find my own identity and I think that's the best decision that we made which I think was really difficult at first just because we did everything together um we ran together we played sports together um we hung out together we're always together so I think that was really difficult at first when uh, we attended college I can't imagine because uh-huh. I, it seems like a lot of twins and you're a twin. So you tell me like really are side by side, like doing a lot together. We were, we were like gum, like, like, you know, like we were always together to the point where we would even speak for each other. Mm. So it was maybe like four years ago, my sister did not want to hang out with me. And that was really, that really affected me. Racing affected me, work life really affected me. But I think that was the best thing that she could do as in like living her own individual Mm. life and me living my own individual life because it helped me find who I am. And like, for example, like doing this podcast today, like I probably wouldn't have done this four years ago just because I was so used to her mm. sitting next to me and finishing my sentences. Totally. Oh, my gosh. So like then where where was the progress on like the eating disorder and things like that? Did you go see a therapist? What did that look like? So in college, again, we we're always compared. So I, I think we both uh, competed pretty much like who ate less. Uh, so which which again I think going to different colleges was really helpful because we stopped doing that um and with with my eating disorder again I saw a therapist for that in college and also seeing uh, my teammates mm-hmm. eating right and then seeing that they're making progress and they're running and I wasn't making progress I was actually running the same or not getting faster 
So I'm like, huh, okay, I'm going to change my eating. And I pretty much followed whatever they ate. And um, I'm glad that I uh, was able to be teammates with them and also come back to Cal State LA. Um, just I think for me personally, I think maybe going to attending Oregon State at a young age really affected me too. Just because I'm very family oriented. Mm. And I lost sight in that. So that coming back to, I think being with family also helps uh, my eating disorder, like just eat more properly. Yeah. Um, is that an ongoing thing? Like, is, is this like a, I have to think about this every single day or have you seen some like normalcy in your life where you can just live and eat? Oh, back then I was, it was no normalcy. Now I feel like it's normal. I eat what I want I I see food as fuel so if I want to eat cookies I eat cookies which I crave I I feel like right now I'm at a great mindset but all this like the the eating disorder was when I was in high school and college okay so I haven't had an eating disorder for years thankfully hey friends this episode of the podcast is supported by Gooder if you are looking for an awesome pair of sunglasses that don't slip around when you're on the go Look no further than Gooder. They have really classic styles as well as really fun and loud styles. My go-to pair are the Aviators. I love just the standard black Aviator shades. I also love the Breakfast Run to Tiffany's. And in races, I like to wear the fun colors. I think it's super fun and brings a little bit of attitude and sass to a race. So go to Gooder.com slash another Use the code another one five. That's another fifteen to save fifteen percent off your order. All right, back to the show. Tell me about meeting your husband. Um, so I met my husband in college. He was a steeple chaser in college, and I was like a five k ten k runner. Um, he was actually my he was my teammate. He was my best friend. He was a person who supported me in my classes and also in running. Um, the thing I loved about him is, and also still love about him, is that he always like wanted the best for me. Um, he, I've always wanted to be with a person who makes a better version mm-hmm. of me, a better version of Sabrina. And I love how he, um, again, just wants the best for me. Um, He's just amazing. Um, so I met him. So going back to the question. Um, <laughs> so I, sorry. No, <laughs> so I, it's I, great. Uh, I met him in college and I just remembered how uh, he would give me like love letters and he gave me flowers all the time. And I was like, no, you're my best friend. I don't want to <laughs> um, move forward because I didn't want to lose him as, as a best friend. Mm. And... And then I gave him a chance, and that's the best thing I did is giving him a chance because it's the best feeling of being with your best friend, you know? Yeah, it's totally true because, I mean, the longer you're married, the longer you realize, like, this is so much more than, like, a romantic relationship. Like, it's not that that's not important to carry on over the years, but, like, if you're not married to your best friend, like, the marriage is, I mean, the marriage is so hard no matter what, so... Like, that's so special. For sure. <laughs> I keep seeing this um, reel. I don't know if you've seen it on social media where it's like the couple and um, it's like a picture of the couple and then it's that song like, I should be over all the butterflies. You know that song? And um, yes. it, the person shows pictures of like really sweet text messages from their spouse 
or their partner. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, I'm going to look through my text messages because I don't think I have any of these sweet text messages. My husband is just not that type. It's like all of our text messages are like, I'm going to Target. Do you need anything? What's going on? Why did so-and-so's teacher email us? Like, it's all like that. And I'm like, okay, well, this is just who we are. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, I have not seen those real. So it's really cute. After this. But it's things like this. The husband's like, I miss you so much. You look so hot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, these are just not. That's just like not my husband's style. So I'll just make one of those <laughs> and make it like a joke one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, too, like every relationship is different, too. Right. Yes. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. I just thought of that when you said he wrote you love letters because I'm like, you know what? There's a love letter oh. type and then there's a not a, a type that doesn't do love letters. <laughs> I married the non-love letter type, but I think it's super sweet. That you, does he still write you love letters? Not recently. I, I wanted to, but uh, <laughs> he still opens the door for me from mm-hmm. time to time. Like, you know, do small things like that, which I love a little bit of romance. Sometimes I have to be like, well, so so I do. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about running now. Like, well, let's go to the trials and then we'll get to now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you okay. ran your 241 qualified for the trials at CIM, which you qualified by a good amount. Yes. And you, you were running with your sister. I ran with my sister. It was an amazing, amazing experience running side by side. And again, like I struggle with anxiety Mm. pretty much all my life that I remember since middle school. So I think having her there really decreased a lot of my anxiety. And with her, I think what I helped her with was just confidence. She was, I think, uh, telling me, or she was stating to me before the race, saying, I don't know if I could do this. I'm like, Regina, yes, you could. You are amazing. You're fast. So I feel like we both really like helped each other. um, You know, if we were dealing with mental problems in the start line. Um, But once we started the race, it was just an amazing feeling how we just fist pumped each other throughout the whole time. Uh, Amazing. And you got this. Um, Because again, we both vision that wasn't just me, we both worked hard together, we trained together uh, before uh, qualifying to the Olympic trials. And yeah, I'm just thankful that I was able to qualify that day. It was an amazing day. It was great weather. I love CIM. That's why I want to go back this coming year to CIM, just because I love like the atmosphere, the weather, the people, everybody's just amazing there. So that's why I'm excited to toe the line. And hopefully I'm able to achieve um, sub 237 since they did knock down that time. Yeah. So you're going to run that this year. Yes. Okay. You're going to run CIM again this year. Um, yes. So did you do, like, do you, are you training? Will you train for CIM with Regina again, your sister? <laughs> she actually doesn't want to okay. train for a marathon. She's more focused on the ultra scene. And okay. she recently ran like 60.1, well, 61 miles, something on road. So yeah, she's just really focusing on her own thing and, I just want to try to qualify again. So she's doing her own thing. Yeah. I mean, they really dropped that standard. Like I, I actually, if I'm being honest, thought 245 was a little soft. And I don't say that like I could never touch 245. So I'm not saying that that's not super mm-hmm. fast. It's super fast. But I always thought, man, that's so many people qualifying. But what people say is that like 
it was it was so exciting, right? Because it it gave more women the opportunity to go run in the Olympic trials. Now, how many people will like elevate and try to hit that 237 together? But I kind of thought 240 made more sense. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought 245 was reasonable just because there's people who are still working. Mm. Um, you know, there's, you know, I'm sure there's even mom, even being a mom is just a lot of hard work that I see now. So I think it was just nice, like, you know, having women out there who are also working who are nurses, doctors, mm. um, just all these professions who actually hit that time 245. So I'm sure like they, they were extremely proud um, and just having the opportunity to be and toe the line. Um, I'm sure it was they were really grateful for that. But yeah, I think it just provided more opportunity. But as for the time now, 237, um, I think that it's really fast. I actually had to like take a second look at it. I'm like, is that, is that right? <laughs> What's the mile pace? But I believe that's like 559. So you you I really believe. need to go like 550, like two or something if you're because of tangents or anything. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like 555, 550. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to do it though. You're doing it. I'm going to try my best. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful to have like even a group of women that I know, like Gigi, like the woman you spoke to, Grace, Andrea. And hopefully we could get more women involved in that like, area that we could meet up and hopefully we could train together. Because I know that just having a group of women having the same goal it could hopefully be more achievable uh, just because we're always like explaining what's the why and uh, supporting each other. Cause me, I'm, I'm, I love having support. Like I mentioned or, you know, earlier, um, my family was always my support. So just having a group of friends together, supporting each other, I feel that's going to be very helpful. So hopefully we could all drop, drop our time. Oh, totally. Okay, so you mentioned to me before the call that you're getting ready to run a 10K on the trails and your sister just ran the 60 miler. Um, You all started Angel City Elite because you saw a lack of representation on the roads. Like you really, your group, and we talked to this with this about Grace a little bit too. Your group Mm -hmm. noticed this at the trials, like the percentage of people of color at the trials was so low. I'm curious, like, how how you feel when you tow the line at a trail race because it seems that the representation is probably even smaller at trail races. Actually, uh, um, I've actually uh, I was actually didn't went to an event yesterday, um, and I know like a lot of my friends are actually going to do it too. I don't know. I, for me personally, I think just living in California and going to the Topanga race. I mean, I heard from my friends. I feel like it would be very diverse. Oh, okay. Um, I think for me, just again, like attending, like Oregon State and going to Cal State um, I've always seen the lack of representation since I was young. So I think it wasn't just towing the line at the Olympic marathon trials. I've seen it pretty much like all my life, like in running magazines, mm. seeing it when I would actually compete at other states, like for cross country um, or track. Um, and I just remember like, I, again, like here, I feel like in LA, I've always been in this bubble where, okay, like when I run here and like, like if I run a 5k around here, I see a very diverse, I see white, I see blacks, I see indigenous Indian, I see a very diverse. But then when I go to another state, I do notice that lack of representation. 
So when I did toe the line, the Olympic marathon trials, I'm like, okay, all my life people were saying to run um, that we need more Latinas towing the line. And I didn't, never knew what they were talking about. I'm like, okay, like, well, what are they talking about until I actually went to college when I qual when I uh, competed at the Olympic marathon trials? I'm like, oh, I see. I see that lack of representation. So that's when I knew I'm like, no, we need to start this team. I contacted all my friends, which was like Andrea, Gigi, and Grace, since they qualified as well. And we both felt the same way. And that's when Angel City Elite was created. And what is your biggest hope with Angel City? My biggest hope is to hopefully increase more minorities, more BIPOC individuals to compete at a higher level. Um, we're hoping that there's more people who are able to compete professionally, either it's track or it's marathon. Because growing up I, in college, the only person that I really like identified was with Brenda Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a woman that was like that really, really like motivated me and to really uh, want to compete post collegiate. And she's just an she's an amazing advocate for minorities um and i'm hoping the younger generation even community um or even people around the world who are bipoc or who are minorities that they see me and and then they could identify to themselves like i could do it because she did it and i knew that it would be better not just one person but a team of Mm. people because i knew because i think it would have been harder just me that's why i then just decided to contact my friends around the area because I felt like four, five, seven people is better than one. So that's my hope is to having us empower, inspire, motivate others who seem like they don't feel like they don't um, see themselves in running magazines or professionally that they too can do it too. Do you feel like there's been a shift? Like we've been talking about it a little bit more in the media. And I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. because of groups like Angel City Elite, um, people are paying attention. I think that's what I want to say there. Um, I was thinking though, well, let me answer that question first. Like, do you think that you've seen positive change? I have. I have recently, but I feel like there's still a lot more work to do because I don't see, uh, I still don't see a lot of people... I mean, especially like, you know, Hispanic, indigenous running professionally. I don't see Asians. I don't see Koreans in the U.S. running professionally. And that's something that needs to change. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping with, again, like seeing Angel City Elite and maybe other teams that hopefully they build too professionally that they, um, again, that other individuals could see themselves in them. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this because I just had a conversation with Tony Carey, who founded Black Girls Run. And I was thinking uh-huh. that like an organization like that has started such a movement for black women, really. And I wonder, like, do we need groups like that? Like, do we need like a Latina women run group for like an everyday athlete to encourage them to feel like there's a safe space and people who um, they really relate to are in that group? Because, man, that community, that Black Girls Run community is just like exploded, you know? And so I'm just curious, and is there groups like that for Latino women? Um, I do see, I don't see really like a lack of representation here in LA. I can't really sure. speak for other states. 
But as for I know, like there's like Blast, Blacklist LA, there's uh, the Jane. So there's like running groups I see that are very inclusive, not towards, towards the Latino, Latina community. But I see just like a, a very inclusive community, which is amazing. Um, but again, like I don't know much about other states. Yeah, I would have to do my research on that. But I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there is, though, for sure. Yeah. Well, I love what you all are doing. And, you know, like, it's like, I'm just thinking of the little girls on high school teams that see you and see themselves in you and how cool that is. I imagine that was a piece of the vision. For sure. I mean, that's why I started running because I saw a senior in my high school who was Latina, who was very confident, was pretty much like a person that I really like visioned myself to be like, mm. but that she was gorgeous. Aww. She she was just so educated and I loved her personality. I'm like, I want to be like her. So then that's why I joined the cross country and track team. So again, like I just hope like I could be also an influence um, to other women or even men who do want to compete at a high level too. But yeah, that was, that, that was, uh, that was why I started to run. I love in that. School because of her. Do you know what she's doing now? Yes, she's actually a massage therapist, uh, and she has two baby boys. Uh, well, she her name's Mariel Sanchez, so she's an amazing person. Do you think she's following what Angel City Elite's doing? For sure. Oh, for that's sure. so cool. Does she know that she's that person? She does know. Oh, that's so yeah. freaking cool. I think there's so much <laughs> power. Why do I want to tear up? I don't know. Like I about teared up oh. at the beginning of well, before we hit record. I must be about to start my period. Okay. Let me just say that. <laughs> um, I just think that's so powerful when we tell people, you know what I mean? Like that you, that you went out of your way to tell her that she was that person for you. Like that's such a life changing thing. And she could be going about her everyday life and have no clue the impact she made on you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she she knew. I think the first time I I told her that I created a team, she was just so proud of me. Mm. Um, she's she's an amazing, she's an amazing woman, and it's just nice. Like she's also seen me grow a family, seen her grow a family. So it's nice having each other evolve and become better women and supporting each other. Yeah. So. So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. I'm so grateful to have them on board. For the podcast, Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging genetics, biometrics, and Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. We put so much time and energy into running or whatever it is you personally are passionate about. And I just think to be able to know what your levels are, especially for your iron and things like that, it's key. So with Inside Tracker, they will take your blood panel, and then they will give you those results and give you an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes all the data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and it will help you learn how to optimize your body and reach your goals. For a limited time, you can receive 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. If you go to that exact landing page, that should automatically apply the 20%. If that's not working, just use the code ANOTHER and that will get you 20% off. Okay, so that's another piece we have to talk about today is becoming a new mom and 
the adjustment there and, you know, deciding to, hey, I'm going to go back and train for this 237. Your baby's, is he nine months? Yes, he'll be nine months on Friday. Talk to us about this. Just talk to us about the the transition. I often tell people like, you know, I may have a lot of kids, but going from zero to one emotionally and physically was by far the hardest. It was just, it's such a life adjustment. Um, I do agree with you with that. Um, actually, my uh, son was the first uh, newborn baby that I first changed his diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Never changed his newborn diapers. It was like all learning experience for me. Um, so when people told me even throughout pregnancy, like, be aware, sleep deprivation, I'm like, no, it shouldn't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then once I had miles, I'm like, okay, I see what people are talking about with the sleep deprivation. Um, so I think the start of motherhood, again, it was just hard just because, again, like you mentioned, his first um, baby, um, I'm learning. Um, I didn't know how to like pretty much balance my own personal is like, you know, my own identity to like now having a baby. And I think for me, um, so it was what was difficult with sleep deprivation. Mm. Another thing was breastfeeding. And I think breastfeeding was difficult because I've always heard like a lot of mothers say, okay, like, you know, this is where you comfort the baby. It's a great experience. But with my experience, it was so painful. I remember I was bleeding from my breasts all the time and uh, it was really sore, but eventually it did get better. It did get better and I love breastfeeding now, but I think just the start of it was really hard. Another struggle was getting breast engorgements. Mm -hmm. The breast engorgements was difficult just because I just remembered um, getting fever just because I got so engorged to the point where I had to go to the doctors just because uh, it made me really sick. Um, But the doctor just told me just to keep breastfeeding, it would get better. And then, yes, the doctor was right. I did get better just by breastfeeding. But again, it was not fun. Then another thing that was hard was just finding time for me, Mm. finding time to not just be a mother, but also do Mm self-care and saying that, telling my mom or pretty much telling my mom and my husband that I need help. I need more support. And my husband, he's a chiropractor. He owns his own business, so he had to work. Um, But as for my mom, I knew that running, I wanted to have that as a priority too because I felt like that has helped me since high school with my anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression helped me a lot. Um, So I, when Miles was about like a month, Oh, I remember calling my mom and crying to her. Mom, I don't know how to be a mom. This is so hard. And I just remember her crying with me and mm-hmm. saying, no worries. I'm going to help you. <laughs> I'll babysit for you. I know running means a lot for you. I need. I know you need to work out because that's pretty much, you know, that's how you um, really help with your self-care, with your mental needs. So my mom actually bought me a gym pass and uh, my dad would take care of miles while my mom and I would go to the gym together. So that actually motivated me to get out the door because I did have post-traumatic postpartum depression where I did not want to do anything. I just wanted to sleep all day. So I think that really um, moved a step forward when my mom bought me a gym pass for Christmas. 
So that helped me a lot. Um, and that also helped me with strength training. Also helped me moving forward to running just because I feel like my form was off. I had a lot of imbalances. So I'm really glad that she did that. <laughs> Bought me a gym pass. I, I do think with the motherhood, nobody really told me about how painful breastfeeding was in the first like six weeks. And you're right. For most of us, it does get better. But like the like attachment and that like burning pain for like the first like two minutes of them latching mm-hmm. on, like I remember thinking this can't be right. And I would like feel it go all the way to my toes. Like it would hurt so bad. And then after my like everything got used to it, it was fine. But and I only breastfed one of my kids. But I remember thinking that paired with nobody told me um, about the night sweats like the waking up in the middle of the night and your clothes just being drenched because you're like your hormones are going crazy. Those are the two like painful, like aggressive things that I had. Oh, and that you have to take stool softener. Like those are like the three things that I was like, nobody told me about these body issues I was going to have. Right. Same here. I was like, why didn't you warn me? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, so like, but also as a mother, like you don't want to go around like telling people all these like <laughs> awful things. Like you don't want you, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to like <laughs> tell them. Him off. Right. Like, so, but it's like, I don't know who's, who's in, I think maybe your OB, like who's in charge of sharing that information with you. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I would think my OB, um, I, I'm, I'm sure that if my twin sister would have got pregnant. I think I, she would have warned me. Yeah. Cause I'm telling her all these things uh-huh. I'm going through. She's like, I'm going to wait until I have a baby, maybe in a year or two. (laughs) But I also think as athletes, you know, whether you're a professional or elite or everyday, whatever athlete kind of athlete you are, I think we have this mentality of like pushing through things, you know? And um, I remember postpartum with my first just feeling like I should be stronger than this. Why can't I, why am I not doing this better? Like why am I not handling this lack of sleep better? Why, you know, and you feel like you've failed a little bit when you think, when you tell someone you need help. And I'm not saying we should feel like that, but like, those are the feelings that kind of come over, at least for me. What about you? Um, I I feel the same way as you. Um, I felt like that's why, like, it took me like a month to ask for help, ask my mom for help. Like, I need help. Like, can you help me with miles? That was extremely hard for me. And when I need help, I get very emotional, like, because I don't want to ask for help. Yeah. But I'm grateful that I did. Um, And then I also asked help with my husband as well. And he's a runner, too. But what's awesome about him is that he doesn't care much about his running. He'll be like, okay, you run. I, I don't really need a run today. You know, he probably would give up running for me. That's like how amazing he is. But I think just motherhood was just even hard to just balance everything at first. Because I even started working for months after pregnancy. And that was also something that was difficult to just incorporate as well. But now I feel like I don't want to say I have everything balanced because I don't. I feel like every day is different. Um, Every day I feel like, you know, there's some days where. I have to take off from work because I have to take care of Miles because I don't have a babysitter that bad day. But that's that's okay. Um, so yeah, every day could be an adjustment. I feel like so we haven't even talked about your work. Who watches Miles when you work? Um, so my mom, 
my dad <laughs> takes care of Miles when I work. My mom works from home and I work from home too. Okay. Which is which is great. I think it works. Um, my mom works in the morning to like maybe 2 p.m. And I work from 2 p.m. to like 8, some days 9. Okay. So it works out. I'm a ABA um, assistant supervisor. So my focus is working with uh, children with autism. Um, so I provide just input and I provide um, feedback to the parents. And I also help with my clients as in uh, providing intervention, providing goals for them um, to the to live, uh, you know, socially appropriate lives to uh, be successful, to be better. Did you feel like getting back to work helped you emotionally? That's a great question. <laughs> I think at first it was just hard juggling everything. At first I did not want to work yeah. because I just did not know or no idea how I was going to do this. And I think just having Miles being babysat and not knowing what he's going to do was really hard and difficult for me. And I'm sure other mothers felt the same, feels the same way. And because I would just be texting my mom, what is he doing? Is he okay? <laughs> my mom would text me, stop it. He's okay. <laughs> so I think that was just hard. But thankfully, again, I was able to work from home. So I'll just have like a quick break and then I'll just go check on him. And then I'll go right back to my room. Well, not to my room. I'll go back to the room. I We've just like gotten away as like a society from like families being an integral part and like raising kids with us um one of my friends lizzie had posted about this because her mom like came to visit went like and stayed for a couple months after her baby was born and she was just saying like i don't know how i would have done that without my mom and like years ago like that is just what people did like the families supported the family and it was more of this like big community like wrapping their arms and now we've like i mean I just moved 10 hours away from my family and I don't have babies anymore. So I don't need that, that specific support as much, but like, I don't know. We've just like, you move away from your family or not as close, even if you're 20 minutes away and like, you kind of like lose that like network that I think that, you know, back in the day we were created to just have, right. We were created to have that network wrapping their arms around us. And we've kind of like, made our own little families like separate mm -hmm. well I live like about six minutes I live like six minutes away from my parents so, so it's very good. convenient <laughs> so good um but I think with like I guess like with my culture I feel like family is very like valued and I'm just speaking for myself and also friends that I know like parents actually want their kids to still live with them mm. and I think what was actually hard for I think for my sister Africa she's the first one that moved out it was hard for my parents to let her go and live her own, you know, life um, just because parents want their kids to be extremely close to them. They want them to live near them. Um, so I think that was uh, different. That I mean, it was hard for my family. I think a lot of it, too, was my culture because my family were really strict growing up as well. I mean, I, even for my husband's family, it was even hard to like allow their son to do their own thing like for like holidays like they expect us to like go see them you know but sometimes you have to do your own thing so just sometimes it is hard oh that is the juggle when you get married or when you have a significant mm -hmm. other it's like 
whose family are we doing this holiday with and that holiday oh. with? Do you, what about now, though, that you're a mother? I know it's going to be a long time before like your son or if you have other kids like leave. But I think about that all the time. I'm like, I'm going to be heartbroken if my, one of my kids moves across the country. But obviously you want your kid to live their dreams and pursue their dreams. I'm like, well, we've got four. What are the odds that one of them stays close? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I think being a mom now, I think it's going to be difficult because I'm like, okay, I see what my mom was, was thinking. I'm seeing what i um, I think it would be difficult, but I do want them to be the best version of themselves. So they have a job like in another state. I'm going to be happy for them. I'm trying my best when they get older, maybe see a therapist if that does happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I want them to break that norm. Why? I want them to break that norm. If they want to live in the state, do whatever that makes them happy. So it'll be, uh, hopefully, I could break that shift. Yeah. I th- I was thinking about that as you were talking about going back to work too, because I've struggled with that a lot is like, figuring out like how much do I want to work? How much do I want to be home? And um, struggling with feelings of guilt. Like if I'm working more and I don't see my kids as much, but also knowing that like I feel really happy when I work and I have more energy for them when I'm with them after I've, you know, put time in doing other things that I love. And I don't know that that's something that we ever totally get a perfect mixture of you know as parents mm-hmm. yeah um I, yeah I, I, for sure I think too I think uh I, again I did not want to go to work I think it was just extremely hard for me I think now thinking of it I love now working because I I need to do that for my client that, that alone time so like every Thursdays which is today and on Saturdays I'm like go do your thing with our son go to your parents house uh, we take our son to my gym. Okay. Um, so it's a gym for babies. So my son takes him there. Um, just because I love like doing my own individual things. I don't, don't want to lose that sense of identity. But um, the other days I'm with Miles. I make sure I give him all the attention. I play with him and I really value being a mom. Okay. So are you able to train and like, um, like, are you, do you think you'll be able to train in the way that you trained before? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, just because again, like every day would be different, right? So, I mean, I think about this, this too. Like, what about if Miles sick? I probably will have to yeah. take a day off. Um, be so, so flexible. I know I have to pri- exactly. I know I have to prioritize. However, Miles feels if I have a babysitter, maybe I have to shift my workouts. Maybe I have to shift my running. Maybe I have to go to my mom's because they have a treadmill. I should run here and maybe my mom could babysit where I go visit them. So it's just a shift. And I think just being okay with that shift, um, because I was extremely rigid before. And now it's like, okay, like if I run at five in the morning, I run at five in the morning. If I run at eight o'clock at night, then so be it. I I have to do it. Why? Because I want to run. And why? Because I know it's going to make me a better version for my family. Um, so that's what I think when I want to pursue pursue running and then also balance in running. So yeah, no, I don't think it's going to be the same. <laughs> so will you um will you be working with a coach and will you be running less miles, do you think, than you did when you trained for the 241? So my husband coach coaches me. He's been coaching me since the Olympic trials. Okay. 
Um, so every day is different. So if I feel really tired, I tell him, hey, like, let's move the workout tomorrow. So it's very flexible. It's mm-hmm. always been very flexible. Um, with mileage, I'm hoping just to get up to like seven, hoping 70 miles. I was able to crack at least 60 miles this season. Okay. So hopefully for the trials, I mean, not for the trials, but hopefully for CIM, I'm able to maybe crack up to 70 miles because that's the highest mileage I ran when I ran 241. Oh, it is. Okay. So that's 70 miles. You'll probably get close to that then at least. I think so. Do you typically follow a seven-day cycle? Like, do a long run every seven days? I do a long run every six days. Oh. Right now, it's seven. I ran out seven days just because um, I have to shift my training around for right now. But um, when I'm training for ACIM, I'm hoping to do my long run, yeah, every six days. So if you do every six days, do you fall on, like, weekdays sometimes? So, I'm sorry. So when I went six days, I went every Saturday. Oh, so like once a week on the weekend. I run. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, once a week. Okay. <laughs> and then will you sprinkle in like a speed and a tempo in the middle there? Or will you just do speed work once a week in between? Currently, um, I do. I've just been doing one, but I'm hoping that I'm able to move up to two workouts okay. a week. What's your So favorite? yeah, one speed and one um, tempo. Yeah. What do you prefer, speed or tempo? I prefer, I know to make me a better runner, I feel like tempos. Okay. Just because you're working your heart rate, you're working your, trying to stay consistent your whole time, relax your muscles. So I'd say tempo. I feel like mentally it gets you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for marathons, right? Yes, for sure. Well, we have to wrap up here with End of Podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish I could sit on the couch and have coffee with you or tea and talk about our kids and all the things. I know it's been fun talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. What is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? I would, well, two things. I would either love to learn how to dance Mm. because I feel like I'm an okay dancer or I would like to play an instrument. So that's one of like two of my goals that I have to do one of those. I just got back to watching So You Think You Can Dance. Have you watched that? I have not been watching any type of TV recently, oh, but you don't soon. have time for that. <laughs> well, I yeah. I watched it about ten years ago, and I saw Twitch, who was like one of the contestants when I watched back in the day, um, who was huh. then like the DJ on the Ellen Show forever. Um, I saw that he was judging, and I I don't know, I stumbled upon his Instagram, and I was like, oh, I have to watch again, and it's been super fun. I've been watching it with my oldest son, and I just I love it so much. Oh, how fun! That's cool. Nice to get into TV shows with your with your family. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun when they get big enough to actually like enjoy watching, you know, what you like to watch. Um, okay, what's the best most recent book you've read? Um, so I actually have not read a book recently, just I'm trying to study for my board exam. Mm. But the last book that I read was called Can't Hurt. Okay, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, mm. and I read that about two years ago. But just recently, I've just been just studying for my board exam. So I haven't had much time. And then having a newborn, it's been really difficult too. Totally. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be expected to read books right now. <laughs> I should change that question. If you are not in a season of life where book reading makes sense, what is your favorite all-time book? Um, I, 
I listened to that on um, audio a few years ago, which was cool because it had another guy narrate. And then in between chapters, he would come on and talk to David Goggins. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was a good read and it's a good uh, way to I think it was a good motivator, too. Yeah, I love that book. Yes. Um, Okay. what is your last message to leave with our audience today? My last message is to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Keep moving when you feel sad. Keep moving when, you know, you you want to be better version of yourself to always keep moving. That is such a good piece of advice. Anytime you're feeling sad, if you get up and move, it probably helps just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It was fun. I'm excited yeah. to hear, you know, rehear, and I'm a huge fan of yours, so. Thank you. That Thank means you. a lot. It <laughs> really means a lot to me. All right, friends, thanks for being here. Thank you, Sabrina, for coming on the podcast today. You all can find Sabrina on Instagram. She is the Sabrina Lopez on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. Tell a friend about the show who you might think enjoys it. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. If you want to learn more about everything we talked about, as well as sponsors for this episode to get those discount codes, go to sandyboyproductions.com and just click on the I'll Have Another tab. You can sign up for our newsletter there as well, where these show notes will be delivered to your inbox every single week. Thank you so very much for being here. And uh, we've got a new series coming up soon. I just interviewed Dr. Stacey Sims, and uh, I will share more about that series coming up soon. Got another big, fun project I'm working on with some fellow content creators in the running space that is coming soon, too. So stay tuned for that. Follow me on Instagram, LindsayHine626, and look for those announcements. Thanks for being here, everybody. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.